If you're a dad, a stepdad, a spiritual father, uh, if you're a man that just serves in this house, we just want to take a moment. If you would stand and you're here on Father's Day this morning, if you would go ahead and stand right where you're at, the men here in the house, we just want to honor you. Can we thank these men? We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day. Got some great men right here. I pray, men, that prayer encourages you. And this morning, the heart of uh, what we're going to dive into of that we would, when we understand the Father's love, we can truly mirror it in our relationships uh, around us. First off, we want to welcome those of you uh, watching online. Can we welcome in our online church uh, this morning? We're happy you're here. Awesome. Hope all of you have a lot of great plans today. And uh, I can preach long if you want to be really hungry when you go to lunch, or I can keep it short and uh, leave you hanging for more. We'll uh, kind of go on that end this morning. But it's going to be rich, and it's going to be powerful this morning. But I'm excited. Uh, recently, Bree and I, uh, we graduated from Bible college, and there was um, a pastor that came in and shared um, on the subject of being a model. And he wrote a book. His name is Pastor Larry Stockstill. And he wrote a book called Model Man. And uh, it just really inspired Bree and I. And there's just some truth as I began weeks ago just studying and praying uh, over Father's Day. Uh, just what to share with you. So I pray this morning, men, you're encouraged. Fathers, you're encouraged. Uh, and ladies, wives, and uh, women in general, a great role that the Holy Spirit has given you is to encourage your husband, is to encourage uh, the dads in your life. Uh, so I pray as we get into the word, as we see uh, the Apostle Paul, he gives such pure, uh, great instruction of what it means to be a model. If we look at our world today, we look at our culture, I think there is a huge lack and there's a huge need for godly model men. And the enemy knows that if he can attack uh, the foundation and the structure, the union of marriage, if he can attack men. We see uh, in, our, in our world and societies and in our culture, the statistics speak for themselves what happens when a, me, a man, a, a godly father is not present in his family's life. It's, if you go and you just read statistics, it's dire uh, of what we see when the man, the husband, the father is absent and not in the picture. When you think of uh, the word model, it's uh, pretty neat when uh, you do a study on it, but it comes, if you're taking notes, it comes from the Greek word typos, where if you were to understand it in the time it was written, it means uh, where they get their word to leave an impression or to leave a stamp. So to leave a model, what it really means is that you're leaving an impression or you're stamping something on someone's life. Now we know as, as fathers and as, um, as husbands and men in general, Wherever we go, whatever we do, wherever we work, we are leaving impressions, whether they're good impressions or they're bad impressions. The heart of God is that you would leave good impressions on your family, that you would leave godly impressions, that you would leave a legacy for your family to walk in, that you can model this. And Paul, Paul gives us this instruction of how we truly can model it. And my heart this morning is that Gathering Place Church would be full of men who would model by the power of the Holy Spirit from their homes to the workplace to every area of their life, what it looks like to follow God, to be a man of God, to honor 
uh, and to mirror the love of God. When you're getting filled in that vertical relationship, again, it's going to spread out to the horizontal relationships in your life. And I want to commend you men for being here. You could be playing golf, you could be fishing, but you're here in church this morning and uh, you're setting a priority. I got to say this too. Um, one thing that was greatly modeled in my life was church. I'm a church kid. I grew up in church, grew up in church here. Uh, a church for us, we were here 10 o'clock Sunday mornings when we had one service. And then, man, we were back Sunday night. Anybody remember Sunday night services? Come on. Uh, and then you were here Wednesday uh, for church. So church was a big part of my life. And I'm thankful for parents that modeled uh, a faithful life of what it looks like to be in church, to honor God, to set that as a priority. If you're struggling or you don't know what to do, just start by making church a priority. And I believe things will begin to change in your life because you're under the anointing of God's word. You're worshiping and you're spending time in his presence. But we're going to jump right into the scripture. Are you guys ready to go this morning? You ready to see what it looks like to be a model man? Uh, if you love taking notes, make sure you've downloaded the GPC app. You can go on your app store, Gathering Place Church, and then you can follow along with some fill in the blanks and you can see some quotes and scriptures. Uh, but we'd love for you to stay connected there. Let's look what Paul says in uh, Th Thessalonians this morning, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9. Look what the scripture says. It says, for you yourself know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model, somebody say model, for you to imitate. So we see Paul setting the example, some key words you can highlight, underline, circle, is he's saying, I'm gonna be an example, and out of being an example, I'm gonna be able to set a model for you. The Apostle Paul's entire approach to living was to do it in such a way and in such a manner that qualified him as a model to others. His life, his integrity, his purity, his pace, and his legacy was so powerful that it shook a godless Roman society. I believe as this church unleashes men into the world to be model men, that it can shake the darkness around them. It can begin to shift things in their families, in their marriages, in their workplace. Men, when you follow God, it is a great witness to everyone around you. It's usually not what you say, but it's what you act like, what you do. Actions speak louder than words. We know this. So if we can understand to model and look at the model we're about to see that Paul gives us to be this model man, then you're going to have Holy Spirit power to begin to walk this out. And you're not gonna have to do it alone. It might seem impossible, but you have to understand, usually when we're weak, usually when we're tired, man, that is ingredients for the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in your life. Look what Paul says. Uh, off the bat, in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, you might think Paul was pretty arrogant, kind of cocky. He says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Now, that's a pretty big statement when you think about it. If you want someone to imitate you, then you better have something to offer. You better have something to give. So Paul says, imitate me. He also says again in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right there, it begins to make more sense. We see that Paul just isn't saying, hey, imitate what I do. He wasn't being arrogant here. 
but he understood his weaknesses, but more importantly, he understood who he was in Christ. We see that as we just finished up our series in Ephesians, that he understood what grace and faith and spiritual warfare is, what salvation is, that now he knew he was rich in Christ, what his identity was, and he said, you gotta follow the Christ that's in me. You're not following Paul, you're following the Jesus that's in me. So follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Men, this is huge in our home. If we're not connecting with Jesus, if we're not spending time in prayer and reading and worshiping and studying and allowing our flesh to be chiseled off and giving room for the Holy Spirit to do his work, then we're not gonna be able to lead in the fullness of how God's created us to lead and to live and to love in our families. So he's saying, follow this example. Lean in and see as, and do as I do. We also see a great scripture uh, that makes me think a lot of my dad, Jody. And it says this, it says, and you yourself must be an example, Titus 2.7 to them by doing good works of every kind. You know, I'm thankful for my dad, and I just wanna take a second as I did in the other service, double honor for you this morning, but I honor you and what you've done in my life and the model and the example that you've been to me and my two brothers, how you guys might have forego vacations or different things. You made the house of God, and you trained us, and you taught us how to hear from God for ourselves. So I just wanna take a, a second and thank you for your good works and I honor you this morning because I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for your strength, if it wasn't for you believing in me, if it wasn't for you praying for me, and if it wasn't for you showing me how to have a great golf swing. So I appreciate it. Still working on it, but we're getting it. But I love it. That man, when you follow Christ, good works start coming up and out of your life. We've been talking about that the past few weeks. Um, and so what Pastor Larry says in his book, he just gives a quick list of really the identity of a model man, of, man, these are some characteristics, these are kind of the anthem or the, the, the sound that should be coming out of your mouth of what we're to do as model men. I'm going to read these quickly to you. One is, model men choose to honor their wives. Come on, ladies, you said amen to that one. Number two, Model men pay their bills and keep their word. You can say amen to that too. Number three is model men take responsibility. Model men vote their conscience. Model men tell the truth. Model men functions as examples for the next generation. Model men pray for revival. Model men shun pornographic filth and keep away flirting thoughts on their social platforms. Model men live it before they say it. Come on, you got to walk it like he talks it. Some of you might get that. Model men model it before they demand it. So this is the idea of what it means to be a model man. And we want to be able to walk in these things. And here in a second, you're going to see attributes, attributes in Timothy where he gives us this list that we're to walk in our speech and our love and our faith and our purity and in our conduct. That when we begin to walk in these ways, then we're gonna be able to follow the example of Christ. When you think about it, as a husband, as a, as a man, as in a, God gives us a, a, an authority that he blesses us with. And when we begin to walk in that authority and in that blessing, it's like a, think of it this way, it's like a police officer. He doesn't have to get his gun out and take it and point it at you when you see him. He's comfortable in his authority. He wears it and he walks it. 
The same as uh, us as husbands and us as fathers. That's how we're to walk it in our lives. We don't have to go around telling everyone, I'm the man of the house. I'm the dad of the house. Man, when you follow the example of Christ, there's a humility and your family senses it and feels it and wants to respect you and wants to lift that up in you. It's not the way the world says to do it. You'll see a quote in your notes. These are really three uh, legs to a stool where they all go together. Without one missing, you're going to be fumbling and stumbling. One, it's this, it's integrity. Everybody say integrity. Integrity Integrity is what we are like before God when nobody is looking. Number two is purity. Purity is having strong boundaries and walls around us guarding our hearts from sexual immorality. Number three is example. Example is how we are perceived by others in our circle of influence. So when you have integrity working for you, when you have purity in your life, and you have example, you're gonna begin to see influence and you're gonna see strength in your life to begin to walk it out. I believe our world is in such need of integrity. I can remember talking to my my grandpa sharing a story probably 30, 40 years ago where he was able to borrow a large sum of money on a handshake. Now, when we think about that today, you have to laugh because you basically have to sign over the rights of your first child to borrow $5. It's, a, it's crazy how it was a whole different time in our country where your word was your bond. Now, in the society and the time and day we live in, nobody trusts anyone at all. And so we see the importance of integrity of we're the same wherever we are. There's nothing worth, worse when a child says, my dad's this way at church, but he's different in the home. Integrity gives you that consistency. It makes you the same way on Sunday as you are Monday through Saturday. And so we want to be able to walk in integrity, to have Christ-like character. And then we see purity. We make, uh, put boundaries in our life. You would never send uh, a kid out into the football field, give him the ball and say, go. There's a lot you have to explain first. You have to say, these are the boundaries. And if you go outside of these lines, you're out of bounds. You're going to be disqualified. And so the word of God gives us men, it gives us boundaries that when we follow them, When we walk in them, we're going to be able to have success, spiritual success. You're going to be successful as a dad, as a grandpa, as a man in your life. And then lastly, we have example. All of those going together. Your example is a result of you walking in integrity and walking in purity. I love what Jesus says. He he really gives, uh, or what God says to Jesus at his baptism if you read in uh, Matthew 3, 17, you'll see what Jesus said. Kenny, if you put that up. He said that this is my son whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. What we see here is a power-packed portion of scripture that we all have to get down into our spirit and into our soul. Look, look at what really he says. When he says, this is my son, he is speaking identity into Jesus, that God showed up on his son's big baptismal day. And when Jesus comes out of the baptismal water, baptized by John the Baptist, then his father shows up and speaks these powerful things over Jesus. Men, we have to speak identity. We have to speak life. We have to speak purpose and destiny and calling over our son. We have to make sure they know who they are in Christ. 
I can remember my dad after working a nine-hour day when we would go to these youth events, he would take a quick shower and he would show up and he would drive a van full of 15 noobs all the way out to some youth conference in Nashville or wherever it was and to make sure that we knew who we were in Christ. Dads, there's, if this is going to happen, there usually comes a level of sacrifice. It's taking your free time. It's showing up to church even when you're tired and don't feel like it. But when you speak identity over your children, that's where when they grow up, they become of age, they turn 18, and they start making decisions for themselves. They're going to choose to want to be in church because they saw it modeled by their dad, by their parents. And then he says, whom I love. He speaks this uh, validity over him. He's saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You know, there's a story uh, that I heard where it was an evangelist who had passed away, and this evangelist was into the ministry. He was all about it. He gave his life to it. And on his deathbed, his three sons were there, and uh, Pastor Larry in the book Model Man was sharing this and talking about it. But he had said that um, these three men were crying. He asked one of the, the boys. They were, these men were in their 40s as they were sitting over their, their father, and he had asked, you know, what's, what, why, what's really causing this pain and this emotion right now? And one of the boys has said, my dad never really told me that he was proud of me. Never really told me how much he loved me. And a lot of us, we have these daddy, we have these father wounds where we don't feel like we get that affirmation. Now I want to pause and stop there because we have families in this church. We have different perspectives. When you talk about Father's Day, you get a whole deal of things that come up. What you have to, to see through this is, don't get mad at your dad, whether they're here or whether they're not, whether they're gone, whether they're with Jesus or not. You have to take this and begin to apply it in yourself and find healing in yourself and know that you serve a father that loves you so much and that can feel, fill and heal those places in your life where you have wounds that maybe a dad in your life has left or a man in your life has left. So he says this to us. He says, I'm proud of you. I love you. He gives identity, validity, and when he says, in whom I'm well pleased, he gives affirmation. He begins to affirm Jesus and what his calling and what he's to do. And so I want to look at some points that we see as Paul is commissioning Timothy, his spiritual son, that this is how you're to walk. This is how you're to talk. This is what, it, what your life is to look like. Look what the scripture says in 1 Timothy 4.12. You guys doing good this morning? Yes. Good. It says this. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example. There's our word example again. For the believers in speech, in conduct, or in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So he's giving us these five pillars of if you begin to allow these truths, these pillars to go down deep in you, then you're going to be able to be an example in your life. I want to really pull out two this morning, and that's speech, and that's our life, or that's our conduct, and I want to share some things on that. Before we do that, look what else Paul says in Scripture. Philippians 3.17 says, join together in following my example. There's that word example again. There was a story that uh, was shared at our graduation that you might find kind of humorous. He shared this, that there was this uh, professor in a Bible college, 
And uh, all these students could not wait to get into this class. This was the class that you had to be in. Uh, the reason was because this professor would kind of step outside of teaching and there would be prayer and there would be excitement and there would be just the Holy Spirit would move. And when this teacher would get excited and would feel this anointing, it was in the 80s, he'd have this long hair, he would just take it all sweaty and just flip it back, flip his head and flip it back. And it was said as these students went through this class and as they would graduate and when they would go into ministry and different things, when they would start preaching and get inside, excited, guess what they did? They would take their hair and they would flip it back. It was even said that there was a couple bald students because they saw him do it so much that they would just take their head and flip it back. So what I want you to see out of that is what we model and what we say is so much more than just what we hear all the time, but it's what we see. Think about how we pick up mannerisms, we pick up personality traits just from our dad, from our mom, even what's uh, put in us by nurture. It's like when you start getting older, as I've experienced, I start seeing myself do things like my dad did. I'm like... I never tried to do that. It just starts to happen, mannerisms and things. So it's amazing how things can be modeled to us that we pick up that we don't even know. So look at a couple of these is our speech. How many of you know life and death is what? It's in the power of the tongue. James 3, 2 says this, and you can read James 3 as it speaks greatly to the power of the tongue. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. So it's saying, man, if you have learned to tame the tongue, you are perfect. And it says, able to keep their whole body in check. So we know this, this uh, trait, taking what the tongue can cause as vices and turning it into a virtue, that it takes a lifetime and it takes every day. Many of us, we have to wrestle with our tongue and our mouth before we open our mouth. There's nothing wrong with wrestling your tongue before you open it, before you open your mouth. I think it's, it's amazing when you look at spiritual gifts and how God gives us tongues. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you experience the evidence of tongues, you see how the Holy Spirit enters in and really begins to heal and take that tongue and transform it into what it was supposed to be. Look what James 3, 8 says. This is why it can only be done by the Holy Spirit. It says, but no human being can tame the tongue it is restless evil, full of deadly poison. So the only way you're going to be able to tame the tongue is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to partner with him. You have to get in the word. You have to begin to speak the word over your life. You have to begin to train your tongue of how to react in situations. Men, this is important for us. What we speak over our children. Bree and I, we were on a, uh, a vacation not too long ago. We were taking our baby moon before Daniel gets here. And uh, we were walking out of the hotel. I was driving the car. I was being a good husband. I was driving around to go pick up my wife. Come on, men. We pick up our wives. Amen. And as I was pulling out, there was uh, this family of four. And one of these little five-year-old kids took off across the street. And as he took off across the street, uh, I mean, I saw the whole thing happening. I'm just going to slow down. I, you know when you can tell what's about to happen, you just kind of let it happen, and then you pray for the child because you hope it's not an angry Disney dad who's gone bankrupt and is kind of frustrated. And so this kid, he runs across the street, and this dad just yells a profanity and screams at his kid and kind of kills the moment and basically calls the kid this and that and the, they're apologizing to me. It's like, don't be apologizing to me. Go apologize to your son. That's a terrible way to handle that situation. So we see what an untamed tongue can do, whether we just don't realize it's, it's habit, because what happens is 
What we take in usually as we grow up, unless we make a change, is usually what comes out. So how you see your parents handle money, how you see your parents raise you, talk to you, yell at you, it's usually that's how you're going to be unless you give authority over to the Holy Spirit to change that in you. Anybody a product of allowing the Holy Spirit to change you this morning and you're thankful for allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. He changes us and he can tame our tongue and he can change our confession. He said in his book too that practically speaking, how you speak a lot of the times becomes the measure of your spirituality to many people. You can be in church raising your hands, loving God, being committed, but then when they hear what comes out of your mouth, it can completely drive it the other way. A different thought can come into their mind about your spirituality. What I say that is because when we model, we're a witness. We witness to our families, our children, and those around us. How many of you know people are always watching? Especially in our world today, people are always watching. How we handle ourselves, we, as, as men, as dads, as husbands, we don't have the luxury just to let out how we feel all the time because we have to carry it. I heard it said that many of the times in handling in stressful situation is you have to be like a duck on water. You're calm, but underneath you are paddling for dear life. Not letting anyone see it at times. You're being a leader. You're leading your family. But then above board, you are calm and collected and not allowing the anger, the angst, the frustration to get you to, to speak out. Number two, that leads us into our conduct, our lifestyle. Conduct is this. It's 1 Corinthians 14.33 because when you fall in love with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, order comes into your life and confusion leaves. It says this. It says, for God is not the author of confusion but of peace. You serve a God who wants to give you supernatural peace, who wants to take the confusion in your relationships and heal it and bring peace into it. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says this as well. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, what's funny about Paul and what uh, commentary will tell you is his heart, and what he even says in 1 Corinthians is that you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. So Paul's heart is to be that of a father. Ephesians, he says, speaking truth in love. So when we see how Paul models this, most likely he is speaking all this truth in love, not just as a coach, not just as an instructor, not just as a boss, but as a father. And so Paul understood the father's heart and tried to model it, that this is how you confront, this is how you deal with things, so that it doesn't uh, abrupt into chaos. When you think about this too in, of order, when Jesus does the miracle and he feeds the 5,000, what did he do at first? He, he separated the women and, and the children and the men and he set them in groups. He began to put order in this crowd of 5,000 plus people. Before he did the miracle, he just didn't do the miracle and everyone rushed him. He began to put things in order. I'm a testimony and I've seen in many of your life as I've seen in mine, when you begin to give God a chance and you begin to say, I'm gonna clean when I don't feel like cleaning. I'm gonna... Uh, take some time and focus on my family. I'm not maybe going to not work as late and show up to one of my kids' uh, baseball, basketball games, whatever it is. When you begin to give God a chance and get your life in order, guess what? It sets you up for him to do a miracle. He can heal you. When you begin to get your finances in order, anybody a testimony of this? You can see him begin to come in and there's a check that shows up in the mail or there's a job opportunity that happens where, man, I have this opportunity now to get out of debt. 
When you give God a chance to get your life in order, it's a breeding ground for a miracle. So Paul is, is saying this as a father. And lastly, he speaks of uh, what I want to talk about this morning is love. A few weeks ago, we talked about marriage. Uh, but for now, I want to look again what Paul says in Ephesians. He talks about children, how you're to love children, how you're to handle your home. Look what he says uh, specifically to fathers in Ephesians 6, chapter 4. And Bree, if you would come. He says this. He says, I, I'm going to read this in the amplified version. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Amplified says, do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. You've heard it said that, you know, I love all my kids the same, but I like this one a little more today. That's okay. You can get by with that. It says, but bring them up. This is great. This is instruction. It says, bring them up. But this is how you're to bring them up. You're to bring them up tenderly with loving kindness. Some of you in here might have had a dad who just yelled at you, always yelled, was angry all the time. The heart of God is to bring you up tenderly with loving kindness. And we're to model this in our homes and in our families. It says, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it says, men, we have to discipline ourselves to bring this instruction, to bring God's way into our homes. It just doesn't happen. Our flesh just doesn't naturally bend this way. We have to put ourselves in a place where we can be disciplined so that we can bring our kids up, we can bring our families up, we can bring GPC kids up in a way that honors God. You know, when it comes to fathers, if you're a father here, maybe you feel you've made a lot of mistakes. We believe that mistakes can turn into miracles when you get back in and you begin to believe and take what God says. He can restore wasted time. He can restore wasted years because he loves you. He cares for you. And his heart is to always to bring healing to the broken areas of your life. When you open up, when you surrender, he can heal. I'm also thankful for single moms. Anyone thankful for single moms here who've had to wear both hats, what they've had to do? It's amazing when you watch the tenacity of a single mom, how they love their children fiercely, how maybe they forgo relationships in their life to focus on their kids. If you want to know how to fight, spend some time with a single mom. You'll learn a lot. I want to leave you with this. This is one of my favorite church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, as he shares in this commentary on raising kids in, in, in Ephesians, he says this. He says, do not fear the conflict. What usually happens is when we're put in a place to change, he usually doesn't put us on a beach or in a place of comfort. He puts us in a place of adversity and we begin to grow. He says, so don't fear this conflict. He says, don't flee it. Don't run away from it. Where there is no struggle, there is no virtue. Where faith and love are not tempted. Anybody's faith, anybody's love been tempted before? We're human. He says, it is not possible to be sure whether they are really present. So this is the testing of your faith. It says, they are proved and revealed in adversity. My prayer for you this morning is, 
that whatever you're at, wherever you find yourself, whether you're a daughter, whether you're a son, whether you're a father or a grandfather, whatever your perspective, whatever your story is on parenting, on fathering, that you would just take some time and allow the words of the Apostle Paul to pastor you, to strengthen you, to break down preconceived ideas, to break down what maybe mama did or what daddy did, that this is because they did it this way, this is how I have to do it. But let's break through that and let's go to the word of God and say, this is the way he modeled it. And this is the way that leads to spiritual success. This is the way that leads to life. And if we pick this up, if we choose to raise up our children in the Lord, if we discipline ourselves, then you're gonna see things begin to change in your life and you're gonna find healing where you need healing. You know, what's amazing is we've had a school here for over 20 years and the struggles sometimes that come to, to grow it or to make sure there's enough families to support it. God has always provide, provided for our school because the school's heart has always been to, to champion, to, to encourage what you're doing in the home. Guess what? They're gonna get that for eight hours a day and make your life hopefully a little easier to raise them and train them. So it's amazing to see God's hand and his provision on the school. And I've seen it. Two of the, the men that you've seen standing up here on bass and on guitar, they've been here for over 20 years. One was my youth pastor. One was a faithful man that I saw model consistency and faithfulness in church. Jeff, if you're here, I honor you. And Brother Gary, I honor you and I thank you. And I honor all the men here who have paved a way for this next generation to come in and you've shown us what it means to model. That's the thing. When you get baptized into the church, anybody ever experienced this? Your spiritual family sometimes can become closer than your blood family. Because when you're baptized into the church, that becomes your new family and you share the same inheritance, you share the DNA of Christ. And guess what? You can, if, if you've had, not had a father in your life, God can put a man in the church in your life to be as a father and reflect that and represent that or as a mother. God gives us spiritual family to heal a lot of the broken, fallen nature that comes with parenting, fathering, mothering. These are deep issues. These are tough places. Things don't change overnight. But if you can take the word of God, if you can say, as, as Paul said to Timothy, watch your life, watch your speech, watch your purity, watch your faith, and watch your love, then you can take on the heartbeat of what it means to be a father. If you would bow your heads, I want to pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you that your goodness is here. We thank you that you say the same thing to us that you did to Jesus, that you're pleased, that you love us. Father, that we're yours, that we're your son, that we're your daughters. God, that this house, this vision, this mission is to raise up world changers, is to raise up sons and daughters. God, that we would never forget what you've placed upon us and what our identity is, that we wouldn't sell ourselves short, but we would press into you. I pray for homes. I pray for the broken places and spaces in our lives caused maybe by a father wound or um, a, a parent or a home wound. Holy Spirit, that you would come right now and you would heal it. God, you would open up our eyes that you've given us a spiritual family, whether that's here at GPC or another body. But God, we would see what you're doing and what you've given us and you've given us the church to touch and to meet these needs in our lives. God, I pray that you would raise up men that value purity, 
that value character, that value integrity, and you would show us how to walk this out. We're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. But God, I pray that you put consistency in our lives. And you would put a generation that might go before us that can model that. Show us how to walk it. If not, we see how Paul walked it out. We would put our nose in the book, in the scriptures, and begin to study of what it means to be a godly husband, to be a godly dad. I pray for each and every one here this morning under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to do a work. We surrender. Lift your hands right now. If you just surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit, we surrender, Holy Spirit, to you. We pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you strengthen the faithful man. I pray that you strengthen the one that gets up early, that prays over his family, that takes time with his kids. God, that you would strengthen that father this morning and that they would know as they toil, as they work, that you're pleased with them. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and the men here this morning. As we continue to pray and as you're connecting with Jesus, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. This is a part of the service where we just want to give you that opportunity. We want to pray with you. If you're here and you've never surrendered your heart, you've never surrendered all of who you are to Jesus, He's, you've never experienced that forgiveness that can come and heal you. If you're here this morning, if you're here watching online, I just want you to lift your hand right now and say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you've done in the house this morning. Let us go from here knowing we are healed, knowing that we have victory in you, knowing that we're not alone, knowing that we can, you can change us, Holy Spirit. We don't have to stay in our mess. You address it and things change left and right. We thank you, Lord, for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us as we go from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, God bless you. If my dad this morning would come and just take uh, a moment to bless our time of giving. Uh, it's pretty neat. I've seen uh, how my dad is and my mom have taught us as we're here in church. I can remember one of my first birthdays. We're sitting down and we just got, you know, 15 bucks from birthday money. And we would literally be sitting there and they would take time to teach us a spiritual truth. Come on, parents, you've done this. You say, now, how many of these dollar bills belongs to Jesus? And you slide over one and some change and you just begin to learn to tithe and to get that consistency. And I'm thankful that they've taught us how to tithe and I pray that you've learned to tithe or if you struggle with tithing, get in the word of God because it will show you how to handle money God's way. A quick truth, Dave Ramsey talks about it, but he says a great principle to have is you save 10, you tithe 10, and then you live off the 80. When you can walk in that simplicity, there's some truth and there's some healing that can happen in your finances and you can begin to get your life in order. But dad, you come, you take it from here. I set the scene for you. Uh, why don't you pray? and bless our offering this morning.
bigger things we could ever describe in humanity would be like that. And if we'll just have that humble attitude every day and yield ourselves to him, he will work through us. And just remember that we're in a, in a battle from hell over our soul every day. And if we'll embrace the battle and let his grace and mercy flow into us and strengthen us, then we'll continue to soar the rest of the day. And just like with your tithes and offerings, there's a Malachi, what he says. He says, test me and try me in this and see what I'll do. It's the one thing he says to test him with. But he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake and pour out us a blessing upon us for his sake. So let's continue to walk in faith, keep moving forward, and watch his grace and mercy empower us to continue to move forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for encouraging us that we can do it. We continue to walk with you and be an example, Father. And I pray for strength for every man here, every single mom, every single dad, that as we keep our eyes on you and follow you, Lord, we'll see your work done in and around us. Amen. Well, as I was just sitting there, um, I just felt to share with you, Ben, that God is proud of you. As you're a single dad right now, your three kids are here, Maddie, Gracie, and Ben, that God is setting you up and preparing you. And I'm proud of you for being here in church, for bringing your kids here. And uh, as your pastor, I just want to say I'm proud of you. God's proud of you. Your Aunt Kathy and Jeff, Uncle Jeff are proud of you. And uh, we just want you to feel encouraged this morning. And uh, can we just give Ben a, a hand of encouragement? You're doing a great job. Can't forget the single dads. Awesome. Well, uh, Kenny, if you throw up a quick graphic, and then uh, Kelsey and Corey, if you guys would come up for a second. Uh, we